the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone, give me a call, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I kind of want to talk a little bit about Asia right now and what I'm seeing. I'm a tech enthusiast. I'm also a stock guy, and I'm also a kind of guy that wants to get you to retirement. Um, I've managed really large portfolios, and I, I'm pretty comfortable with the notions of of giving you advice or or second opinions. I don't want to control you. I want to give you some thoughts. And I keep a close eye on China. And some Chinese stocks had had some kind of tough bumps this this last six months, I'd say earning season or two. So I'm ever watchful. China's internet giants are intriguing because China's the largest phone market in the world and they're also the largest PC market in the world. So, heck, yeah, I want to pay attention to Alibaba and Tencent. They reported a rapid pace of revenue growth. They had a couple weak spots here and there. But all things considered, it was a good quarters for the two giants. Alibaba has a market cap of $428 billion. Its quarterly revenue grew 61%. I could see them catching Amazon with a caveat. How hard is it to argue with a company that's worth half a trillion dollars and is growing at 60%? Well, to procure that revenue, to procure those clients, it costs marketing and acquisition costs, M&A. That's mergers and acquisitions. Marketing. I digress. The marketing and acquisition costs are escalating. They're not going down. It's like Google. Google has to pay Apple to be the number one search engine on Apple phones. Got you where I want you. Now I'm going to eat you. That's a bad position to be in. Margins are expected to drop about 10% this year for the two big Chinese internet companies. That's on top of a similar decline from 2015 to 2018. But there's a big uptick in spending. And... You know, revenue can look kind of anemic during this. And then you go, oh, time to sell those stocks. Signs of weakness. There really isn't the early growth challenges of a startup company. It looks like a change in the structural profitability of China's internet sector. The big assumption I think the whole world makes in investing is that China and India have got a lot of upside. Got a bur- both have burgeoning middle classes and more people coming online. So does Apple have to focus on China? Yeah, 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 yeah. Does Intel? Does HP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there could be some signs of weakness. Inventories are piling up at Apple, Intel, and HP. 
the people who make their computers, the manufacturers like Foxconn and Wistron and Pegatron, they're seeing inventories pile up. Story is tough to put a finger on, so you look for the story beneath the story. And as you know, product continues to grow as far as inventory goes and not sales, the inventory turnover and cash conversion cycle indicate that the industry is churning through stockpiles at the slowest pace in, uh, since the last financial crisis a decade ago. So there's some signs out there. Everyone's still selling a lot of ads and gadgets. Everyone's still partying like it's 1999 or 2018. I don't know what we're partying like, but we're partying. The bull market's been running for such a long time. How is it going to end? With a whimper or with a bang? Typically, it ends with a whimper. You can see the cloud storms are brewing. Uh... Shifting tastes a little bit. Amazon's Whole Foods is starting to steal Trader Joe's shoppers. I hate Trader Joe's. I'm one of those people who, when I say that out loud, people look at it and go, how can you hate Trader Joe's? I'm like, I hate Trader Joe's. Um, I think it's incredibly misleading, but it's healthier. When Amazon.com bought Whole Foods last year, investors panicked. People sold shares of Kroger's and Sprouts and Walmart. The fear was that the Leviathan, known as Amazon.com, would disrupt yet another industry. Grocers have more than managed to hold their own in the last year. Still, there's some hints that Amazon's taking some business from other customers through their Whole Foods. And it looks like Walgreens, Trader Joe's, and Dollar Tree are the losers so far. If you track, you know, all the data from users out there who are willing to share it, Whole Foods needs a lot more stores to be, you know, more relevant. So that's out there. Amazon typically refrains from making wholesale changes immediately following acquisitions. So it's tinkered with Whole Foods. Whole Foods now sells Echo voice-activated speakers and other Amazon devices. Amazon offers delivery in 24 cities through Prime Now service. So most of that's just kind of replicating what Instacart does. Amazon CEO is infamously patient. He bought the Washington Post years ago. And you're like, isn't that a dying industry? newspapers and then a couple years later he buys Whole Foods and you're like aren't grocery stores to be replaced with people sitting on their couches and the food being delivered straight to you which for the record is one of those stories out there today that I think is it's a story but I'm not wowed by it um, talking about Chipotle now going to be working with DoorDash and it's a story. I just can't get all that excited by it. But you get the idea, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The California wine country fires are leaving homeowners struggling. And again, it tells you, you really got to worry about your insurance levels. 
and you really got to review your policies. Um, I've got a family member whose home burned down, and he's still negotiating. And it was pretty interesting because Northern California has a lot of trees. Wine country has a lot of trees. Um, there's a part that burned pretty aggressively, killing 22 people and destroying more than 5,500 structures. Santa Rosa was the hardest hit city with entire neighborhoods burnt to ashes. And if you drive through Santa Rosa now, you'll see a lot of like RVs and, and uh, temporary living conditions, like trailers being put on properties so that people could you know, watch the property be reconstructed. The building is going very slow. And there's a lot of trauma with the rebuild. Insurance companies value homes using factors including their size, purchase price, and the price of homes around them. But very few homeowners ever actually update their policies to keep up with inflation, with labor costs, with material costs. This happened in Oakland years ago when there was a big Oakland Hills fire. And people had had $200,000 homes turned into million-dollar homes, and then they realized, oh, no, we've only got it insured for 200000 Update your policy on occasion, ladies and gents. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm not sure how long I'm going to be in radio and television. I seriously don't know. I fight aggressively to bring you good content on, on occasion because my content is edgy. I get into trouble. Here's an example in television today. I pitched an idea of a story that I'll do at 9.15. And part of that story was about the Santa Rosa fires and how I just saw a recent survey say that the average home in the Bay Area is underinsured to the tune of $317,000. I've got a home worth $2 million dollars. In the Bay Area, which is ridiculous. I bought it for 950000 Actually paid under what was being asked. I think I'm the last home in the Bay Area that paid under asking. <laughs> so when I bought it, one of the conditions is you have to get insurance, homeowners and policy. Banks don't give you $950,000 just because you're a nice person. They want some collateral. And then they charge you interest, Right. So I pitched the story to my producer in TV, and let's just put it this way. He's not very bright. He goes, yeah, our our TV demographic is the East Bay, not Sarada. I'm like, okay, that's totally fair. I can, you know, I get it. But the point of the story is, is the average homes underinsured, whether it be the Oakland Hills back in the 90s, early 2000s, that burned down. Or whether it be Santa Rosa, or whether it be your home, or whether it be my home. I'm underinsured because when I bought it, I paid 950000 And they said, how much do you want in insurance? And I said, well, the land was worth, gosh, I want to say 550000 And the home was worth about 300000 originally, or three hundred fifty. So if it burns down, it's going to be a $350,000 check that they write, plus like 20% overage. But that was 10 years ago, and 10 years ago, construction workers were desperate for jobs. And now I couldn't find a, I couldn't get someone to do my home if I wanted to. 
it'd be too aggressively uh, uh, attacked. So I have what I would refer to as one of the dumbest producers in television because he sits there and he says, oh, yeah, that's, an East, that's not an East Bay story. That's not an East Bay story. And I'm like, do you remember a year ago you ran end-to-end coverage of the Santa Rosa fires on this station? Do you realize that a lot of people own homes that could burn down or hit, get hit with earthquakes or floods or what have you? But in his head, he's just that kind of ignorantly stupid. He's, he's that. And again, that's what news does. And that's one area that I will say Trump's right on fake news. News sometimes isn't news. Sometimes isn't news. Sometimes it's just the lowest common denominator. Like we've run stories at Cron about water hydrants, fire hydrants bursting. There was a fire hydrant that burst close to 80 and 280. Now, I get getting to work might be a little bit more difficult. But is that really an East Bay story? Is that really a Bay Area story when a water pipe bursts? No. But that's how news works. It's it's very short-sighted. And, uh, you know, Lord knows if we can get a, a dad who shoots his daughter and himself, that's that's news. Or we'll get Kanye West to, you know, buy Kim Kardashian some sort of ridiculous gift. That's news. Even though most of us are never going to meet the Kardashians or the Norths. You are or fake are. news. Fake news. Fake news. So there's not a lot of investigative reporting. For instance, when I came to Cron 20 years ago, there was a reporter that worked at um, City Hall in San Francisco. It was pretty close to Cron, but we had one reporter who was dedicated to City Hall, and that person acts long ago and budget cut. So I get kind of the fake news angle. Having worked in news, I can tell you that it's expensive to produce news. It's easy to take you know someone else's news and just repeat it. And that's a lot of what happens. So I don't know how long I'll be here. I'll, I'll continue to fight for your interest and such, but it may not work out that way. Legal marijuana could be worth $47 billion in the U.S. alone. There is a lot of talk about how much money is left on the table. In the end, I, I think the cannabis bug is kind of a dicey situation to talk about because I don't know as much as I can address Apple. It's difficult to tell you exactly, you know, dun, 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 dun. Um, cannabis ramifications. The legal cannabis market in the United States set to grow 17% compounded annual growth rate year over year for the next decade. Whoa. That's a lot. When you hear the U.S. GDP is growing at 2 to 4%, and you can get some kind of similar result by investing the S&P 500 because it's kind of a reflection of the U.S. economy, or the Wilshire 5,000 maybe. Um, so when you see a market that's growing four to five times faster than the overall U.S. economy, you can kind of go, this is pretty interesting. Um, driving the growth is recreational use, obviously particularly concentrates and edibles. Um, and you take a look at the U.S. sales in the United States. Right now, cannabis, weed, marijuana, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it, is right around $50 billion. Hardcore liquor, spirits as it's called, $58 billion. 
Wine, $65 billion. Cigarettes, $77 billion. And the winner, $117 billion beer. So that's big money when you start talking about outgrowing the, you know, the, um, the market sizes of some of their competitors as far as recreational drugs go. And I think we can call spirits, wine, cigarettes, and beer recreational. I, I don't know. I still don't want to get in trouble right now. <laughs> so, um, But canopy growth is your play on marijuana. CGW. Um, it's ahead of the curve. Constellation Brands has thrown some money into them. Now, Constellation Brands makes beer, right? Corona, Modelo, Svedka, Svedka Vodka. So Constellation Brands is saying, hey, there's a recreational drug out there that's still pretty small, all things considered. Maybe we should buy them. So just some thoughts for you um, as an investor, some of the trends that are out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The dollar's falling. It's taking a little bit of a break. That's helping large cap companies in the United States do business overseas. Bank of America named two more sectors that investors should buy as the bull market continues to make history. Bank of America saying it's not ending anytime soon. I feel like Bank of America released some research a couple weeks ago that said it's all about to fall apart. Are you with me against me? Elon Musk says Tesla could make maybe make a $25,000 model of their expensive cars. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for joining me. Talking about retirement, talking about investing, talking about markets at all-time highs and much, much more. Stock market and the wall of worry. It seems to be earnings are beating the worries. It seems to be the economy are beating the worries. Let's bring in the one the only, Patrick O'Hare. End of summer, Patrick O'Hare, are you well-rested? Are you ready to get back to the, the fall trading season? I am, Rob, and it's nice to be back with you. <laughs> It's always great to talk to you. And I was thinking about it before I came on just a couple minutes ago. And uh, we've been talking about 15 years on and off. And uh, I've been following briefing for 20 years, it feels like, maybe 19, 18. Um, and the market's at all-time highs. So I think we should keep this partnership going. <laughs> I'd have to agree with you. I think uh, we got a good thing going. With that being said, it's kind of interesting that I'm pulling off uh, kind of a – what's it called when you're paranoid and you – uh, a good luck charm. I'm associating the market going up with briefing.com, and uh, that can get you, get you kind of dangerous when you start thinking like yeah. that. With that Indeed said, the wall of <laughs> the wall of worry that you wrote about on briefing.com's page one today, you, you started it perfectly. Stairway to heaven. Um, the market's climbing a stairway to heaven. It, it's just glorious, and now it's starting to the rally is starting to broaden out, and we're starting to get towards the end of the year, and we're up. Nine ten percent roughly for the S and P five hundred when you include dividends and it's it seems like things are good to go. Would you agree with that assessment? 
Well, you know, right. I mean, you're kind of at the promised land when you're sitting there watching, um, you know, just about every major industry uh, hitting a record high. Uh, and the fact that you've gotten there driven by uh, very strong earnings growth and what are still relatively low interest rates. Um, now, clearly, there's a lot of external issues around there that could have undermined the, the equity market. But I think you take a step back, you can only um, – you know, make the assessment that uh, investors are tuning out that noise and are focusing on the fundamental factors of, you know, the things that they know. And then what they know is that earnings growth is incredibly strong. Uh, inflation, uh, while creeping up, is still not high. And interest rates, while creeping up, are, are still not high. Uh, and so that's a pretty good fundamental backdrop there to uh, keep this bull market going. Um, so that's not to say that you couldn't have a pullback here, you know, in the short term. You've obviously had a really strong run over a short-term basis. But uh, thus far, you know, market participants haven't been spooked into really getting out of the market altogether. Even on down days, you oftentimes see a rotation into other sectors that, you know, mitigates uh, uh, some of the downside that you see on days when the market does pull back. <laughs> With that said, the wall of worry, uh, Trump getting impeached, kind of has that maybe a day-to-day effect on the market. And then you get the trade agreements and the tariffs, and that has a day-to-day. Um, the higher interest rates not sinking the markets yet. The higher commodity costs not sinking the markets yet. Um, is it just because we have jobs in America that we continue to, to rocket? Not rocket. Let me tone it down to move higher. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, I think that this certainly is a, is a helpful factor, right, is that, you know, when you have a, a strong labor market and you have what we saw this morning, clearly very high levels of consumer confidence. Uh, and importantly, what was wrapped up in the conference board's consumer confidence report was an indication that consumers also have an improved outlook for their short-term income prospects. You know, while high levels of consumer confidence are certainly helpful for consumer spending, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's income growth that really drives consumer consumer spending. And so when you pair the two together, uh, it, it is a good backdrop to think that you would continue to see solid levels of consumer spending, which is obviously going to be a good thing for overall GDP growth since consumer spending accounts for you know, approximately 70% of, of GDP. So so things are looking reasonably good, you know, uh, in the very short term here, certainly, as it relates to the economic growth outlook for the United States and certainly for the earnings growth outlook. Um, you know, something we've talked about in the past, Rob, you know, is you know, when does the market then transition to, uh, to thinking that, uh, you know, this is as good as it gets, you know, um, where where you see deceleration and earnings growth, and you start to see valuation concerns creep into the equation again. But, you know, we're not there right now. I mean, you, you can see that in the forward estimates uh, for the third quarter and the fourth quarter, you do see a deceleration in our earnings growth estimates, yet the market still remains very uh, fixed on uh, on the understanding that you know, second quarter earnings are, are growing at roughly 25%. Uh, and uh, you haven't seen a real market pickup in interest rates yet, and so it, it's 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 not uh, reacting too negatively to to valuation concerns right now. Can I ask the ridiculous question? It's a market timing question. It's do you feel like we might be a frog in a, a, a 
a kettle of water that's slowly boiling. Um, the higher interest rates, it's expected the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates again in September and again and again in December and then four times next year. Are we going to wake up in this this party, this stairway to heaven is going to be no, no stairs beneath us and we fall? Um, right. Is that what you're maybe? That's what I'm predicting for 2019 is it has to end at some point. Yeah, well, you know, and that's where we always talk, you know, you hear a reference to the Fed, you know, attending to, to be the uh, uh, the catalyst to a recession because it, you often see recessions follow, uh, you know, an interest rate hike cycle, right? And uh, what's interesting right now, though, is that, uh, you know, Fed Chairman Powell said last week that, look, you know, the economy is, is in good shape uh, and we're likely to continue to raise the rates in a gradual fashion. And you saw the market rally on that declaration that rates are going to go up. You know, there was a time a few years ago where any suggestion, uh, uh, you know, of a similar kind, you would have seen the market react quite negatively because all the market wanted then was for interest rates to remain unchanged. Uh, and I think what it underscores uh, is, is this, this understanding that higher interest rates are a byproduct of a strengthening economy. With the strengthening economy, you get stronger earnings growth. And the fact that the Fed is managing this in a somewhat, uh, you know, in a, quote, gradual fashion, you know, leaves the market comfortable at this point, thinking that it can tolerate, you know, rising interest rates still because, you know, valuations aren't entirely out of whack. And you continue to get really strong earnings growth, particularly from uh, the market's, you know, mega cap leadership names. It's pretty crazy. Speaking of mega caps, Apple, which you highlighted in your page one column, which I start my day every day with, Monday through Friday, has risen 14.5% since the end of July, and it's up another maybe 1% today, half percent in that angle. Um, that's a big move. And I asked my radio listeners and my TV audience to write down $1 trillion, the market cap, write down the numbers, and then write down the number of people, let's say 8 billion people on the planet. And it's pretty... To me, that's pretty intimidating that I, I own shares of Apple. It's my largest holding. I'm, I'm thrilled. But at the same yeah. time, I look at it and I'm scratching my head and going, are we counting on every is Apple going to start selling chickens? Like, how are they going to keep this up? <laughs> well, it's thoughts on move. thoughts on the mega cap. Yeah, it's an astounding move, certainly for a company that size. You know, and, and I mean, you could look at it uh, in a number of ways. You know, Apple's. You know, technically, its own economy. You know, with a trillion dollar market cap, uh, it's its own stock market. You know, in a way, when you consider, or its own ETF, in a way, when you consider the halo effect of, of Apple and, and all the suppliers that contribute to uh, to Apple's products. Um, so, it, it's truly remarkable. But it's not alone. You know, you've seen Amazon.com rise right along with it in, in a remarkable fashion. You know, the likes of Google. You know, um, you know. Even Facebook, which has rebounded from its, you know, its ugly second quarter print, um, you know, those stocks all keep going up. And so, um, you know, the concern, obviously, I think people need to keep in mind, though, is that uh, they are so loved, right? They are so um, mm-hmm. uh, overowned in a way. So um, that's where the liquidity is, right? And so if you get into a period where you see a dislocation in the equity market driven by some type of systemic issue. Uh, or even a mechanical trading issue, which we, you know, have seen in the past, um, you're going to see stocks like this get hit quite hard because, you know, in fast markets, 
people can't sell what they they want; they sell what they can. And uh, and when you see stocks like this that have such high liquidity and and certainly are are owned far and wide, you know those are the ones that can get hit pretty quickly. So something to keep in mind, you know, as you see these things keep rising day after day, um, where you know could be prudent to trim some of those gains, but you know not necessarily sell out them altogether because they are great companies that are continuing to grow uh, quite strongly and and certainly have um, some very uh, you know, strong market leadership positions. We only have about 30 seconds left for you to free range with this, and then I'll give you a good plug on the way out. Any 30-second thoughts that you can give me? Well, you know, uh, we've got um, some important data coming up here later in the week on Thursday, the, uh, the personal income and spending report for July. And, and the reason it's important is because it's, it's going to set the stage, if you will, for uh, uh, for third quarter GDP growth estimates, right? Economists out there already with their with their forecast, but uh, but when you get this actual number coming for July, you'll see economists tweak those numbers, and that will give us some insight as to whether you might see another quarter or four percent growth, or uh, or we might have to, to to taper down those expectations. So keep an eye on that number because uh, it will be an important one. You're the best. Thanks for joining me, and it's been a great run, and the run continues apparently for now. It's briefing.com. I start my day every day. Anytime I want to pull up some research, I go straight there. You can punch in a ticker symbol. You can read the perspectives of the page one, the bond column, the week in perspective, the swing trading, the IPO markets. There's a ton of information here. Good stuff. Um, you can find out more at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. It's Patrick O'Hare, and I always appreciate him coming on the show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So one of the reasons I do this show is to help get you to retirement. It's also to give me perspective and help me psychologically, because otherwise I'd be bankrupt from spending so much money on a therapist. I've got a lot of concerns and a lot of anxieties about the world. So when you have children, you start understanding, like, uh, what does the future look like? Not so much the now. Certainly when you're, you know, under 18, it's all just, you know, a big world. And then in your 20s, you kind of, like, start stretching your legs, so to speak, and experiencing it on your own. And you're very selfish, self-motivated. You want to do it without, you know, mom and dad behind you holding your bike up you want to ride off on your own and when you have a kid sometimes in your 20s 30s or 40s you start going whoa what's the future look like i can't just do this for myself anymore so i'm trying to help a lot of future generations not necessarily the current generation it's gonna get tougher out there in my opinion yes automation and robots and artificial intelligence will create more jobs but they're also going to take away a lot of the simpler jobs um, in 10 years to 20 years, every five years of doing radio, I see massive changes. When I started working with CBS and Clear Channel, they had big staffs. They had staffs where people, you didn't know, like, what's he doing all day? And slowly but surely, as the money came out of radio and went to TV and money came out of TV and went to the Internet, things changed. So I've seen staffs of, you know, 30 people radio stations turn into staffs of 10. I've seen staffs of 400 in television turn into staffs of 60 to 70. And that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week kind of operation. 
So I'm worried about the future. And how do we, you know, help our kids, you know, push forward? Um, there's a lot of neat things happening in society, but there's a lot of scary things. I met one of the first people who goes to a high school on Oracle's campus. Isn't that kind of cool? And isn't that kind of the future to build high school campuses um, on top of a big campus? Like, shouldn't Google do that at some point? Because you know, when you're talking about housing as many employees, you could you could house a whole high school. But then again, that gets kind of weird. Hey, where's your mom and dad work? Oracle. <laughs> where's your mom and dad work? Oracle. Stop asking. So that's changing a little bit. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Oh, new trade deal with Donald Trump, with Mexico. Some of the details started getting computated yesterday, and a lot of people are rushing to buy cars now. Wait, just a minute. <laughs> Stop thinking about stop thinking about that. So the tentative trade agreement with Mexico, the one thing you can count on is higher car prices. The new agreement is going to push production costs higher on Mexican products, parts, and vehicles, which eventually will be paid by American consumers. Trump said he made a limited bilateral trade agreement with Mexico that excludes Canada, so it can't actually be done. We can't fast track trade agreements that are just between two countries. Got to get the third country in there. Vehicle costs are going up for other reasons, including higher transaction prices, because the richer mix of utility vehicles. I saw, is it an Escalade? $100,000 starting price? Whoa. We're moving things along, we're moving them along fast. But not only will vehicles go higher because the new, not, don't call me NAFTA deal, the new Mexican, Mexico, USA uh, trade agreement. Uh, but also higher metal tariffs. More technology content is being put in, which is both good and bad, right? We should be able to get to a point in the next 10 years where teenage deaths in automobiles start to decline appreciably. Uh, we start putting more cars on the road that could sense accidents. So the expectation for car prices is that the move is going to raise overall costs by requiring 75% of the value of parts in the car to be made in North America and 40% of the total car to be built in plants where workers make at least $16 an hour. Now, $16 an hour doesn't sound like a lot per se in the United States, but you get a factory in Missouri and that's a darn good paying job. You get a factory in the boonies of Mexico and that's a darn good paying job. So there's some positives in this, but there's also some negatives. Do you want to help people have better pay, but you pay more for a car, right? So that's out there. Um, Best Buy is lower today by 5%. They topped expectations, but a little bit of profit taking going on. Shares are up 19% year to date. So down 5% today, up 19% for the year. Is that a fair? I think it's fair. The Case Shiller Home Price Index for June came out and it showed a slowing of home price appreciation and yet it's double wage appreciation. So even as the housing market slows, it's still killing the people that don't have a home and can't afford a home. So that's out there. 
California wine country, a year after the fires, people are still fighting with insurance companies about payouts and rebuilding costs. Um, I don't live in denial. At some point in time, a disaster is going to happen to me. And am I financially ready for it? I am. Because I see people underinsured. I see people with below average insurance companies. Time to review your insurance products. I use a lot of USAA and Geico for my insurance products. Who do you use? I like the low-cost call center approach versus the, the, the agent approach, per se. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.